Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. This is Yowie Central. Welcome to the show. You're listening to 94.9 Main FM and you're with Sarah Bignall. This is the community radio show where we bring you the latest on Yowie Research in Australia and we delve into the vast and endlessly fascinating realm of Bigfoot, Sasquatch and cryptozoology from here and around the world. We go into all sorts of weird stuff, paranormal encounters, UFO sightings, you name it. This is a community radio show, which means you're all part of this Yowie Central and Main FM community. You're all welcome to contact me if you had a Yowie encounter or you've had freaky experiences in the bush with orbs, min-min lights, UFOs, or anything else kooky and spooky. Get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group if you have a story to share. How has your week been, my friends? I hope you've had a good one. I'm still riding on a high after my Australian Yowie Research Team's incredible thermal camera footage capture of two, possibly three Yowies up in Queensland. I can't tell you the exact location as we would prefer people stayed away so as not to compromise our research. Suffice to say it's in a place rarely frequented by human beings. 
Buck Buckingham was the cameraman in this instance, but they all deserve to hold their heads high. It's it's always a team effort and they have all worked their butts off. Ticks that burrow into your flesh and blood-sucking leeches galore, arduous hikes, carrying equipment, snakes, heat stroke, cramps, you name it. It's very hard work and it's not for the faint-hearted or the unfit. But it all paid off a few weeks ago. Dean Harrison has released two videos of the footage the second one just this week. So if you haven't checked them out, check them out now on the Australian Yowie Research YouTube channel. Today I'm having a chat with my dear friend and Australian Yowie Research founder and head honcho, Dean Harrison, about that incredible groundbreaking footage. We also go into the game changer that is the invention and current accessibility of thermal cameras and what the difference between thermal and infrared cameras is. We also go into the advantages of sleeping in an open hammock compared to the confines of a tent and we talk about the meticulous work involved in preparing to publish such groundbreaking footage the return visits to the site to work out exactly where the beings were standing and where Buck, the cameraman, was standing in order to work out the beings' heights and to compare that with the members of the team, um, the measuring of, of heat signatures and comparing the difference between the team members and the two beings, and the answering of any doubts that anyone might come up with as to the authenticity of this footage. And let me assure you, it is 100% genuine. We are deadly serious about our research. Here is the number one expert on the subject of the Australian hairy man, Yowie Doolagal, Mr. Dean Harrison. Mr. Dean Harrison, welcome back to Yowie Central. Good morning, Sarah. Good to speak to you again. <laughs> it's good to speak to you too. I am so excited about the incredible footage on thermal camera that you and the other members of the AIYR team managed to capture a few weeks ago. So exciting! Can you can you tell the Yowie Central listeners a little bit about what you what you captured in using those that new thermal camera? It's both compelling and exciting. Uh, it wasn't expected. I mean, it was it was dreamt of, of course. I mean, you always go out there with positive intentions, but um, you know, not just one, but two, or possibly even three. Uh, in the same night, it was um, a monumental, epic outcome of of the night and all thanks to Buck. It was his initiative. Um, Now, it wasn't that far away from where we've had footage before. In fact, the entire hinterland, Gold Coast hinterland, is active, extremely active and uh, and active right now. Having the experience around that area for a couple of decades, two or three decades, uh, we knew what we were looking for 
Now, if you've watched the video, you'll see that we started off at the bottom of a mountain and we hacked our way through up a pretty severe, hostile sort of terrain. It was almost like climbing a ladder at some stages and uh, physically it was exhausting, it was draining. We didn't know exactly where we were going. Uh, we knew we wanted to go to the top. We weren't quite sure what we are going to be met with. Uh, we predicted that we'd be coming down the same way that we went up. Uh, so as luck had it, we discovered a track on top of this mountain and it would have been probably within the first 30 seconds of being on that track that we saw our first sign, which was encouraging. As we went further, we found more and more. And these are signs that we've been finding around this area, like I said, for you know a few decades now. So we knew we were in the right location. We knew this area was hot. Uh, and we were finding footprints along the way. And this is through you know, pretty much almost virgin forest, uh, really, really thick going. And uh, there were footprints uh, all along there. And there's no rhyme or reason for any humans to be there. They haven't been there in a long time. I think we were the first in, uh, again, probably decades to, to be there. It's not sort of terrain that you'd voluntarily walk walk up um, as for a leisurely stroll. So anyway, we're finding all these markers and we got to the stage where we had to turn back and we couldn't go back down the same way that we that we came or we decided not to and uh, instead we found another way out and it was even worse than the way we'd come up so I mean it was just a, one of those really bad draining days but we had some reward so we, myself and Gary decided we'd go back and find an easier way in for our expedition night uh, so we did that a couple of days later. We discovered a new way in. It was a lot easier. And we set the date and uh, myself, Buck, uh, Shannon and uh, Gary, we all met there and we, we hiked in just on dusk and we set up camp. Uh, we had the new thermals, which we are very pleased with because we are, like I said, it's a, it's a game changer. It really is. It's it's re equaling the playing field at night time. You know, we're blind at night and they're not. That's why they have it all over us. We will not see them. We would not even know they're there uh, if it wasn't for these. And we won't use infrared because, you know, I believe that they can see them. They can see the frequency. Now, humans can't and people argue, well, these things shouldn't be able to either. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, I've got a lot of experience with these creatures and this equipment and I'm telling you, their behaviour changes dramatically. Once you put up a, an LED pack of any sort of passive infrared, their behaviour changes. Now, I don't think it's just because you know, they can hear it or sense it or see it. Uh, I, I think they can see the glow similar to a flashlight. That's what I'm thinking. And so, now, and I'll, I'll just digress for a second here, Sarah. In the past, where we've used the trail cameras and we've set up hidden cameras, now hidden cameras, around people's homes who have been having a hard time and uh, uh, being harassed each night you know, repetitively over months, whenever we set these IR packs up, passive infrared, 
their behaviour has changed. Now, they won't come near the house. They can't see the cameras. Uh, they won't come near the house. Suddenly the occupants of the house are having being able to sleep at night and they're saying that's the first time in months we've been having a full night's sleep without you know having the ball the, the walls and the the doors and the windows knocked on and uh, and things thrown at the house etc and when we put the trail cams and or uh, hidden cameras on the tracks that they say the witnesses will say now come down on this track towards the house and you can see there's a worn path that they are using coming down towards the house so we'll hide cameras with ir uh, along those tracks, and guess what? Those tracks, within weeks, two weeks, uh, now got new shoots. They're starting to grow over, and a new track has emerged coming around the back of the cameras. So, now these these sorts of this is this is called experience, and armchair critics can say what they like, but they don't have the experience. Now, we tally this experience with the experience of Bigfooters who have been doing this for a long time. It matches. It all matches. So, therefore, there's no reason why we wouldn't believe that they see infrared. So, mm. so this is the reason we switched to thermal. So, okay, on the night, uh, we were all set up, and I think it came to about 11 o'clock at night, and Buck hadn't had much experience with the thermals, the new ones anyway. He used the flare a lot. But that's starting to age and it's starting to fade a little bit. And, um, and flare, so he, flare is infrared, right? Yeah, uh, it's thermal. A flare is thermal. Okay, yeah. It's yep. a thermal. So we had no no infrared for the night, and we're also not using white light. See, this is another interesting thing, another interesting dynamic we've, we've put in the mix. We're not using white light anymore uh, unless we're around, like, in base camp where we're making noise and it's known that we're there anyway. So um, we, have, we use red lights, like red light on our head torches, etc. Now, Buck had picked up one of the thermals and he was having a play with it, and Gary gave him a couple of lessons about what buttons do what, and uh, about 11 o'clock he ventured away from camp. And he didn't go too far. It was within 100 metres. I think it was in somewhere between probably about 60 metres and about 80 metres or so forth. Um, he'd been gone for some time. You know, we all had earpieces in for radio silence. You know, we didn't want any loud noises. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't want to give away the position of the people who were who had the thermals away from base. And uh, at one stage, Buck was radioing back to us at base and him and Gary were having a conversation, some banter about some heat signatures that Buck was picking up on. And then there's some silence and Buck comes back quite sternly and says, yes, I, I have one looking at me. I have one in front of me and it's looking at me. So it all began from there. I think it was about 20 minutes later, he says, oh, okay, I've got two now, I have two. And uh, Gary said, look, I'll, I'll, w- would you like me to, to, to come to your location? And Buck said yes, because he's starting to get, get a little bit nervous. <laughs> I um, don't blame him. <laughs> see, the, the good thing for us is that Buck is the slowest runner out of all of us. <laughs> and he has the, uh, the, the habit of tripping over a lot, like a female <laughs> being chased in a horror movie. So we thought if something goes wrong, we're in a good chance of getting out alive. <laughs> we'll just leave so, Buck behind. <laughs> so uh, Gary had made his way towards Buck and as he, I think he was within about 30 metres or so, Gary radios and says, would you like me to come any closer? Now Buck, had, Buck was already filming these two 
And as soon as Gary asked the question whether he'd like Buck, whether Buck would like to, him to come closer, they both looked up and saw Gary and turned around and, and walked. Now, Gary didn't have his head torch on at that time. So that they'd walked off. Now, while Buck was filming, now he didn't know uh, at the time that you, when you're in film mode with this with this particular model, the zoom doesn't work. The zoom buttons turn into the colour mode. So you can go white hot, black hot, colour mode, uh, blue and red, which are just awful. Uh, and so he was trying to zoom, but it, it, in actual fact, he was hitting this button and he was changing the colours. Uh, which I guess wasn't a bad thing because you're seeing the different dynamics of the different heat signatures. Yeah, uh, you can still so, make so out. You can still make out really clearly what's going on in the. Oh yeah, yeah, you can. You can. I mean, and and at, at this stage, of course, now we we knew nothing about what Buck had been viewing. We and and for me, I mean, I was pretty complacent about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's probably just another ambi- ambiguous thing, and uh, <laughs> might be alright, it might not be alright. So you know, I didn't really get my hopes up too too high. And also, I, I didn't note in the video, the expedition video, uh, there's, the important part was that at the time he was filming it, we were playing classical music <laughs> and very loud classical music. And that's reminiscent of the Cat Eye Report uh, where Nathan's camping and he's playing classical music and he has all that um, all that activity at night too. So I just thought that the classical music yeah. part was, was fascinating. Do you remember what you were uh, playing exactly? Orchestral, uh, not well, opera, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah, no, it was, it was orchestral and uh, it was Moonlight Sonata's Beethoven. Oh, lovely. Uh, in fact, there's, there's a few 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 different uh, numbers we were, we were playing as was putting Gary to sleep. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say Gary and Shannon are probably going, What the hell is this? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um so Buck had come back to camp. Uh, again we had no idea what he may or may not have had. Uh, Gary being the expert with the thermals, downloaded the files to his phone and uh yeah, we started watching and lo and behold, wow. Did we get a surprise? Yeah, the, uh, like the. I know you were filming the boys while they were watching that footage, and the looks on their faces was so <laughs> amazing. Like they were so eyes wide, going, "Oh my god, this is incredible! So exciting!" I when I first when you sent that to me, I I, I distinctly remember going, "No way! Oh my god, <laughs> that's amazing! I almost fell out of my chair." Well, that was our reaction too. Yes. Is nice? <laughs> and uh, I mean, Shannon was Shannon was, I think, beside himself there yeah. at one stage. This is his second trip out with us at night, and his first uh, full night overnighter. And uh, now he, I mean, yeah, he was out of all of us. I think he was probably the most surprised. But I mean, we were all jubilant, and of course we would be. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty groundbreaking stuff what we have here, yeah. and it's been it's been shared globally around. Uh, particularly uh, in America with the, the Bigfooters, and it's had uh, such great reviews from everybody. It's been on people's podcasts and, and yeah. such. Well, and even on – so the video that you put together with that footage of that expedition on our YouTube channel has had 52-plus thousand views. Like that's a record – uh, for any of the the videos that we've put out in in well, we're in such a short time, we can just over a week. That's right. Yeah. yeah, 
yeah, absolutely. And then we had uh, the History Channel got in contact. Well, somehow right. the History Channel uh, or the, the producers for History Channel uh, got to see it. I don't know how, but uh, they got in contact and they asked whether they could add it to one of their one of their uh, upcomings. That's very cool. That's very cool. So what I'd love what I'd love to know, well, in fact, what I think the listeners would love to know is. So you've got this incredible footage. You know that putting it out there, you're going to get the armchair researchers going, "Oh, that's that's a hoax." And we certainly have. Like I, I've I've seen quite a few comments that I've deleted off YouTube because they've been really, just really nasty ones. You guys have actually been very meticulous in going back to the same site, working out. Uh, where you were, where that spot was, doing um, height comparisons. So yeah, tell me, tell me a bit about that process that you've you've been going through since then. Right. Well, locating the position during daylight hours was you know, important. Finding where Buck was standing and the most likely position he was, he was filming, the most likely angle, etc. Uh, then going to the spot where they were and god knows what this one was doing i mean what what he was picking up off the ground uh, i filmed it and I, I can't see what would have been of interest but looking at the the fonds of the plants that the large fonds that was semi-blocking them uh they would had to have, oh these fonds were eight feet and so these things were a lot taller than that, so they were, they were big and they were solid too. Big fat heads, weren't they? Yeah. Big fat heads and yeah. shoulders. Big and, shoulders, big head. Yeah, they were, they were big boys. They, uh, it wasn't sticking both. a stick into the ground, do you think? No, because it would still be there. Now, there were sticks in the ground in that bush, um, but uh, not directly where they were standing. You're listening to Dean Harrison of Australian Yowie Research on Yowie Central on 94.9 Main FM. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I mean, if anyone hasn't seen it, what we're talking about. Okay, there's two pieces of footage, and I'm, I'm going to do another analysis video. Um, that's going to be the next video that we, that's going to come out, uh, where I go into a few more details that I missed out on, on the first run. So basically the, the first lot of footage Buck had where it's looking at him, it's at, a, it's at more of a distance 
but it's to, well, to me it's pretty clear. Now it's it's come up to a tree and it's aware that Buck's there. It's come up to a tree and it does what Yowies do, as I said in the video. It starts hugging the tree, puts both arms around the tree, and they do this to pretend they're not there because they'll blend and they'll do this during the daytime. You know, as I've said before, they'll they'll hug a tree, put one arm out like a branch. Um, or they can stand autonomously and put both arms out like they're a tree or put both arms around, just try and blend into the tree, uh, that sort of jazz. So this, this one at night time was doing that, exactly that. So it's put both arms around the tree and it's put its head into the tree, like resting against it, and then sort of it's it's looking around and it's watching Buck, so it's pretty much face on with with the arms around the tree. And you can see the heat sources there, the heat source off the face, the immediate face where there's no hair. Um, the the, uh, the heat trace is, is a lot, lot hotter. And then you'll see on the immediate elbow, there's obviously less hair there and there's no hair on the top of the hands because they've, they're, they're, uh, they've got big heat signatures as well. Um, so that was the first lot, and uh, that was terrific. I mean, that would have been great if you just captured that. Um, but, you know, the, the the really good footage is what came later, about some 20 minutes later, where he focuses in on a tree and you see a light source, a heat source, I should say, coming through the foliage and then one steps out and he's huge, he's solid, and the head is sitting right on the shoulders and big fat head and big fat shoulders. I mean, he's really well built all over him. And then another one steps out from behind him, steps out behind him, and it turns its back. So it's looking in the opposite direction. It's got its back because look, we're playing music at the time, so there are no humans are in the area. The interesting thing is they paid no mind to Buck whatsoever, did not care about him. They didn't even look sideways at him. Now, that because is that, interesting. That was, that, so they didn't, that, notice, that, they didn't notice no, that he had a camera? No, no. No, no, yeah, they had. They, they did not even glance at him. And now they'd, they'd come from a distance, they'd come through the foliage, and you can see them arriving. Um, you see the, the little blinks in between the foliage of the heat signature as they're getting closer, and then they come behind this tree and they step out and you go, wow. I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And uh, so so the the first one, he steps out and he's got something to do. And the other one's watching his back, watching out for humans, I'd say. And the first one, he's leant down and he's picking something up. And you see the length of this arm that comes out in front of him to pick something up. I mean, it's a long arm and, and thick too. And he's picked something up and he turns around and he hands it, seems like hands it over the shoulder of the other one. Now, you can't see the hands of the other one because they're in front of his body. So I'm presuming that this thing just sort of put his hand around and taken whatever it was. And then it goes down again and it picks something else up and stands up. Now, the back of this one, the one that's facing in the opposite direction, I'll have to go into, again, more detail of, on the images here. But he's got a really broad back, you know, the shoulder blades, you know, et cetera. Um, when you zoom in with the with the software we got, you, know, you can bring it bring it up a little bit clearer than what we've shown before. And then yeah, you know, there's the back of his head, etc. But he's got really broad shoulders and he's 
really tall too. Uh, the other one where, where the, the direction where he came down and picked that whatever it was up, um, he was facing towards base camp and sort of towards where Gary was coming from. So it was round that point uh, and looking in that direction where, you know, Gary radioed Buck and said what he did and then it's looked up and seen Gary and they, they both turned around. And Buck at that point, right at that point when they had turned around to warp off, he'd hit the camera button instead of the uh, colour range button and the footage cuts off, unfortunately. But, <laughs> you know, Buck. I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> he I know, was so I know. upset. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but, That's understandable. Yeah, he, I'm, I'm really happy, really happy with what we've got. Oh, it's absolutely groundbreaking, amazing, some of the best footage, certainly Yowie footage, the best, I would say. Um, oh, look, it, it, it is but, the but, best and yeah. it's some of the best in the world sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, But um, uh, it was definitely the – well, it's just the second best thermal imaging that I've ever seen. So that night, knowing that there's two or three of them lurking around, we were sleeping in open hammocks. So I didn't get a wink of sleep and we had this one annoying tree that just kept making noises the entire night and and sometimes it was louder than, than other times. So yeah, you'd have to keep sitting up in the hammock all the time or getting out of the hammock and go for a wander around <laughs> with the thermal image just, just to make sure. Um, because you, you sort of felt a little bit vulnerable, but it's better than being in a small two-man tent and hearing something around you, not being able to look, not being able to see. I was in that situation about, oh, it would have been about 20 years ago at Springbrook, and it was I was literally praying for daylight. That's how bad it was. It was like a scene out of a horror movie. It, you, you look out through the fly of the tent, and it's just mist rolling in between the trees. And the guy that I was with, he was he was out cold. He was sound asleep, and I couldn't wake him up. And this thing outside the tent was doing run-bys and deliberately trying to scare us on on two legs, bipedal. And it was running closer and closer to the to the tent, and and yeah, and it, it, or you're just waiting for this thing just to stomp on top of the tent and you couldn't see anything and you, you couldn't go outside and you're too scared anyway and all you wanted was – it was absolutely terrifying oh, being, being in that situation. <laughs> so, so with these hammocks, it was a little bit easier actually because you could – you, you could see what was around you, particularly with, with the thermal. And that's technology we never had back in those days. So it really takes the guesswork out. You hear something, you pan around with one of those, and uh, you know whether there's something there or not. Yeah. Yeah, We're better than the the old fleur that you had. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, I mean, the, the fleur was the, the bee's knees. That was uh, military technology. We weren't supposed to have this. Well, I wasn't supposed to have owned that in this country. It was <laughs> not allowed. Um, but, you know, technology's really surpassed that. Um, and and we're, we're rolling out more and more units all the time, as you know. Yeah. So pretty much everyone has a, has a thermal. We invest a lot of time in what we do, so we may as well you know, invest with our wallets at the same time to get the best out of our, our time and our experience out there. So now, now comes the crunch. All these signs that we've been finding over the years and you know, symbols, etc., the sticks in the ground and uh, the teepees and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, 
the next morning when we wake up, we got up and had breakfast and finished by about 6.30, we'd packed and we're leaving. Now, to leave, we had to walk past where Buck was filming the previous night. Uh, we had gone to bed about, I think, probably about 2 and we are going past there about 6, so there's a only short window. And as we get to that location, right where he's filming, bam, here are all these signs. They're all placed there that night. They were not there the previous afternoon when we arrived. They were not there. And then here they are across the track, so deliberately, so we could not miss them, and they were done during the night. So we had the, the first one was a stick, like a big, thick stick, big, long stick. It was about six foot, and it was wedged deep inches down into the ground. Uh, that was right in the middle of the track. And then there was, a, there, was, there was a stick that almost looked like a symbol, and it was foreign. It was foreign to the area. I mean, and, and being in, in, that, um, in that shape, it was in right angles, there's no chance of that falling from a tree and digging inches into the ground. I mean, you know, it's pure physics. It has to be straight to do that. Mm. So anyway, that, that was placed there. Um, that was really unique, a really unique-looking symbol. Then there was a symbol in the middle of the track, and it was a stick that had been broken into three or four places, and it was sort of round but triangle-ish, and that was, that was placed there. And then across from that, there's a big X marker. Big X marker, two thick sticks pressed into the ground, lent over as a perfect X. Now, when you look above this X, there's, there's no trees. There's, it's, there's nothing for it to fall from. And it wouldn't fall in that direction anyway. And spear into the ground, you know, sideways. It wouldn't have done that. It's impossible. But there's no trees for it to fall from. So you ruled that out straight away. And, again, they weren't there when we were coming into the camp. They how, weren't there. How far away was that area to where you were camping? About 60 metres. So, and you didn't so, hear them? You didn't hear them being placed? No. And, and, Isn't and that weird? That's, that's the other interesting part that, that I'd skipped was um, Buck talking about him not knowing that they were there, any of them, because they were so silent. Even when they were coming through the bush. Now, when I walk through there, or we walk through there, it, it's the 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 ground the ground litter. It's thick. You know, you've got leaves and twigs and sticks and all sorts of stuff all over the ground, and it and it's thick and it's spongy. So when you put your feet on it, say like crunch, crunch, crack, they made no sound. As, as they came through. So he had no idea that they were there. Now, he was doing random pans, and it's only because he's doing random pans with the thermal that he found them. He didn't know they were there. Oh, okay. So so it was just by coincidence that he was doing these random pans as he's walking that he's picked up on them. Now, if he hadn't have had the thermal and he wasn't panning randomly, he wouldn't have he he wouldn't have seen them. He wouldn't have known they were there. He would have walked straight past them, as we've probably done time and time again. So this is why I say this is a game changer. He saw them, but he didn't know they were there prior to panning around. Ah, yes. Okay, got you, got you. They were that quiet. They were that quiet that he had no idea. So you know, this is just a, a lesson for normal everyday common people in the bush. You know, you'll be walking past them all the time, but you won't know they're there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, gives me chills. Unless you have a thermal. Unless you have a thermal. That's right. Now, we've we've got terrific night vision. We've got expensive night vision, really good quality stuff. And we can pick up on things very clearly at one and a half kilometres. That's how good it is. But we won't use our night vision because it incorporates IR, infrared. And since, you know, taking that out of the equation and replacing it with the thermal, you know, this is is the way to go. Mm. What's the difference in so with infrared? How does it, do you know? Do you know how they work technically? What's the difference between? I know obviously thermal is picking up on heat, but uh, that that bodies are emitting. How does the infrared well, the, work? Well, the the receptors inside uh, an infrared or night vision monocular or camera are very very sensitive, so it will see at night time or receive, I should say, here we go, it should receive at night time uh, a lot more sensitivity uh, of what's out there. It's very, very, very sensitive receptors. So then on top of that, the sensitivity of the input, you have an output as well. So you can have one large diode, like in the military NV, or you can have uh, a small pack of uh, IR, little LEDs that emit a light form that's not audible to the human eye. So even though it's not visible to us, it is lighting up everything in front of it uh, for the receptor within the camera. So basically you're seeing something similar to if you could imagine shining a torch around but with no light. Yeah. Uh, and and plus on top of that, you know, you've you've got your, your zoom and, and so on. Um, the ones that we've got, the units that we have, it's like uh, watching a television basically. It's that clear, and and they're digital. So and and it is. I mean, it's just just like watching a, a TV screen, and it's lit up for, as I said, one and a half kilometres. That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. But the problem is that we believe that they can they can pick up on this, they can detect it in some capacity. And, uh, and they they stay away from it. You, know, you won't find anyone in the world with legitimate, good legitimate trail cam pictures, and that's for a reason. So, so people can people can argue till they're black and blue in the face, but I'm telling you from experience, they can see it. Don't use it. You will ruin your area, like we did one of ours in Springbrook by using trail cameras. So, are you guys going to keep going back to that particular undisclosed location? Um, are you going to keep researching there or are you going to try elsewhere? Um, so luckily we have tracked uh, this activity to another location and uh, that's where we'll be concentrating on from here on in. Uh, I think we've found a better location now and uh, hopefully we'll we'll get the footage and, and uh, uh, we'll get some, some footage that's, that's better than what we've already obtained. Yeah. So that's the, the you're focusing on that particular area, or you're exploring other areas at the same time. No, I'll be uh, doing Kilkeven coming up soon. Uh, oh, nice Kilkeven, where you're. You've yeah, had, you've had a very frightening experience. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I've uh, spent you know, again like over twenty years at that location. And Two thousand nine was I was hit in the chest by one there. I don't think you can get any closer to a yowie than being hit by one. No. Uh, luckily survived it, and I don't think a lot of people do. I was just fortunate not to be by myself at the time. If I was by myself, 
I don't think I'd be here to tell the tale because he hadn't finished with me. He yeah. certainly had not finished. He was just getting started. Um, now, Steve in Gympie, he's bought one of our our thermals, so he's all geared up. Um, so I'll probably meet with him up there um, sometime within the next couple of weeks. And how's that? Because you've understandably, you're understandably carrying significant trauma from that experience in 2009. How was it? Because you don't stay out in the bush very much camping. How how was it the other night? Because that was the first time you'd actually stayed overnight for a long time, wasn't it? Well, I I, I have stayed overnight, but normally I'd sleep in the confines in the safety of the car, the security oh. of the car. Uh, this is the first time I think I've slept in the open and as open as that. <laughs> it's a good thing we did have hammocks, by the way, because um, the leeches were everywhere that we were being plagued by leeches left right and center that night and uh so being off the ground is really handy but it's the first time we've ever slept in hammocks and i tell you what i mean it was good and it was comfortable and uh the fact that we could look around in the middle of the night with the, with the thermals i thought the whole thing was really convenient so i think this is a a, a tactic we'll ploy uh for the employ for the future i think we'll, we'll keep doing that you might have to um, get some anti-snoring devices for <laughs> for Gary and Shannon and Buck. <laughs> yeah, I know, the, the human chainsaws. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think was... that's probably what kept the, the Yowies at bay that night. <laughs> this, this atrocious sound that sounded more guttural than they did. Uh, yeah, exactly. I wonder, and they must have been, because you guys were cooking sausages and onion and yummy things like yeah, that. That, I mean, that smell must have carried plan. for miles. Yeah, it was part of the plan is to get some uh, some aromas, some cooking smells happening, uh, lingering in the bush. And, and uh, I mean, there's a couple of different ways you can play it. You can be totally stealth and you know, hope one comes along. You sit down and you listen and you listen and you listen for noises and the crashing noises and, uh, and you can use the thermal that way. But our, our tactic in this situation, it worked. You know, we had the barbecue and the cooking smells. We had the music there as an attractant. We wanted them to know that we were there and we were using ourselves as a trap, basically, because we got the thermals. Hey, they come for a look. And they will. Often they will. They will come for a look. If there's something new in their area, there's, there's something they want to see, something they want to check out, something that's foreign, um, and being under the cloak of darkness, or so they think, mm-hmm. um, they'll feel comfortable enough to come close to camp and they will look. And that's pretty much the same uh, same synopsis of what happened at Kilkeven the night that I was hit. We had the camp, we had a lot of noise, um, and they had come for a look. Now, it took me probably a good eight months to get a full night's sleep. I mean, that's how affected I was after that incident. And and I think part of that was wanting to know why. Why did it happen? Um, what did I do to bring that on? What did I do to deserve it? Because uh, I didn't think I'd, I'd done anything wrong. You know? I was just minding my own business, basically. Yeah, I'd, I'd ventured away from camp, as I do. Uh, it was, I mean, it really, I mean, it was stupid because it was, it was too late to do this anyway. Normally, you, you do this much earlier, but, you know, I think you know, everyone was daring each other to walk up this particular um, track. But anyway, I, I, I did because I thought I'd just sit there and, and have a listen to see if we had any visitors. And uh, The first sign was that smell, was that, that Bakelite 
burnt electrical smell. And it was so strong. It was really strong. Um, as I said in the video, I mean, you basically burnt your nose hairs. That's how strong it was. And uh, I'd radioed back to camp and Steve got on the, the radio and said, you know, careful, you know what that could mean. Because a lot of people do report that burnt Bakelite, you know, burning electrical smell prior to an encounter. And I was very complacent and I thought because it was damp, it was pretty rank on this, this granite cascade, I thought maybe it was just um, some sort of damp mildew smell coming out of the fissures in the rocks. But uh, So I'd walked up a little bit further and I'd, I'd sat there and then, you know, as most people know the story, this thing came down and ran, sprinted at a great rate of knots and, uh, and hit me right in the chest and uh, I'd landed on my back in a, in a pool of water and he was standing on top of me. But anyway, I'd, I'd always wondered why that had happened and uh, it wasn't until kind of semi, semi-recently that I'd, I'd worked it out. Uh, the next day I was coming, we'd, I'd gone for a hike and I was coming back and I was coming down the hill and there's what I perceived to be a large female sitting in the long grass on the left-hand side of the track mm. and, and she obviously sees me coming down she leans forward underneath the grass cover now I can't see her and when I get level with her because I hope there's only one way back to base camp I had no choice and you know just getting down towards it was like tiptoe tiptoe one step at a time one step one step one step uh, very nervous very apprehensive and you know, not knowing whether that was the one that that hit me the previous night. All these these you know, emotions and thoughts running through your head at 100 miles an hour. And as I got level, I still can't see her. And I'm just trying to edge past her. And then on the other side of me, whack, 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 right next to me. Here's the big male. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that, that hit me the previous night. It, it took me a while to nut it out, but. I think what I believe happened on that night was that that smell, that pungent smell, that was her. That was her. And I was too close to her, and that's why he came down and clocked me. That's what I think it was because he was standing there on the side of the track the next morning looking over her, protecting her, and, again, I was too close. Now, this is daytime, right? If that had been nighttime – his personality would have shifted. He would have behaved differently because they do. They behave so differently at night time compared to daytime. The reason is it's pretty obvious. The reason is because of their eyesight. They know that we can see them during the day, but we can't see them during the night. So at night time they become really bold. They're very, very bold, and they're very aware of how blind we are at night time, especially at night time. So they'll behave differently, and they'll do things during the night that they will not during the day. With that smell, do you reckon, like I've heard some people say that they smell like that all the time or that, that they can produce a particularly nasty stench and and direct it when they're feeling threatened uh, as, as a I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. Um, I remember when I used to talk to um, Dr. Helmut Lufthwissola before he passed away. He was one of the first uh, active academics that came out publicly about them and didn't give a stuff about his peers or the reaction from the universities, et cetera. So, I mean, he used to say, no, no, I, I don't believe in any of that. I believe that it's because, you know, they have a lot of hair, a lot of hair around their bottoms. When they go to the toilet, they 
might get some caught there and they don't clean as efficiently because they can't because it's too hairy and that's the stem of a lot of the smell. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with that. It doesn't sort of count for the rotting flesh sort of smell that the people talk about. It doesn't count for the burnt electrical. I mean, look, maybe it does. I mean, I guess there's all sorts of smells, right, depending on your diet. But it, it sounds kind of logical. I don't believe they can turn it on, turn it off. I think, you know, either you're clean or you're not clean. That's what I think it comes down to. Quite often they're reported smelling like a wet horse, a wet animal, um, that sort of smell. But I remember when I was knocking about with uh, the one in the Blue Mountains, and he used to get really close to me. Uh, he didn't smell at all, nothing. I remember when I spoke to Billy from Yandina, he mentioned that the good ones, they all smell, but the bad ones smell really bad. The bad ones smell like sulphur. So yeah, well, that's maybe, kind of like humans, really, isn't it? Bad ones normally smell worse. Yeah, yeah that's right. But maybe the one in the Blue Mountains, um, you're talking about Fatfoot. Yeah. Because he was a, he was a good one, maybe maybe that's why he didn't smell, or maybe he just know. knew how to wipe his bum better. I don't know. <laughs> well, it could, could, could have been all of that. No, but he, he 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 never smelled. He never smelled at all. And you know, you'll you'll have people saying that. Well, would you ask the question yourself when you during your interviews? Did you have any sort of scent or smell? Did mm-hmm. you smell anything at the time? And quite often people say, no, no, I didn't. Then you'll have the people voluntarily say before you even ask the question, and oh, my God, I felt like vomiting. Yeah, well, the the woman from Hickey's Falls, she was dry retching in the car while hooning out of that car park. Uh, the smell was so intense and so strong, she she thought she was going to vomit right there and then. It was, you know, um, so it's, it seems that some have that. Smell yeah, and others yeah. don't. Yeah, and some some smell like like um, like roadkill. That people report. I remember when I was next to one at Springbrook at one stage, and this thing smelt like cow manure. And apparently, according to the local Aboriginals we've spoken to, um, they say that they'll rub cow manure on themselves because it's a deterrent for the ticks and leeches, or particularly the leeches. Oh. And the leeches are so bad up there. They really are oh. this, this time of year. <laughs> so I thought, well, that, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, that is it. That is actually really interesting. And I imagine if you're, if you're such a hair-covered beast, then ticks would be an issue too because the, uh, just finding them in, in that hair. And they'd, 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 they'd be able to make their way through down to the skin, but being able to pick them out. Um, I guess they do yeah, what you, gorillas do. With yeah, I think, you, think you'd, you'd, you'd learn the land and you'd have your, your own method of um, avoiding that, that sort of situation by putting something on you. You'd, you'd learn and have all that passed down to you. But you know, as far as you know, smelling like the roadkill, et cetera, now if you, if you rubbed roadkill on yourself, that sort of that feral, horrible smell, then you'd be attracting a lot of carnivores towards yourself. So that could be another reason why they do that. Uh, why, why they smell like that to you know, bring on a fox or, or some sort of carnival because it, it sounds it smells like um, like like something dead in the bush. I wonder if you, if you're if you're rubbing things like that to prevent leeches and ticks. If you're smelling, if you've rubbed all that stuff over you and you're smelling really bad, you'd you'd be attracting flies as well, um, and that's something I don't think I've. N- heard reports of in the 
witness interviews that I've been doing with AYR, I haven't heard anyone report shitloads of flies, you know. Um, but then there's such there's so much part of the landscape here. Maybe people didn't notice that. Yeah, it's just an idea, just kicking the can, basically. Uh, it's just an idea that is possible that that's one reason. Uh, but in general, I think some of them just smell. Mm. Yeah, like some people. I, I, I don't. I don't believe you can just turn it on and turn it off. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Because I remember, I recall hearing that silverback gorillas can do that. Can when threatened or when charging, they can emit a really strong stink like a skunk does. So I wondered whether that was whether they. You know, our hairy friends could turn it off, off and on like that. Well, a hominid being a hominid, yeah. directly, directly related. Well, you know, that's that's obviously um, obviously possible. The legendary Dean Harrison of Australian Yowie Research. If you've had an encounter with a Yowie or you've seen a ghost, or you've had a scary UFO experience or any other weird stuff, get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. I'm not actually in the radio studio when the show goes to air. I usually create the show the day before, so I don't see any texts you might send in to the radio studio. So email or the Yao Essential Facebook group is the best way to contact me. For those of you who don't know, Main FM is a volunteer community radio station and we run this station, the best little station in the nation, on the smell of an oily rag. So if you have a small business and you'd like to sponsor Yowie Central or Main FM in general, you can go to our website and follow the links there, or you can give us a call. We will create a promo for your business, and you'll be mentioned adoringly on air by me and worshipped with enthusiasm and deep gratitude. So get in touch if that's something you can do. It looks like we're out of time for this week, folks. Yahweh Central will be back next week, same time, same place on 94.9 Main FM. Let me know if there are any particular subjects you'd like me to cover on the show. I'm always open to suggestions of really interesting rabbit holes to go down into, so get in touch. Stay safe. I'll catch you next week. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch.
You might be rich, you pretty young thing Better hide the glint of your diamond ring Your fancy jacket won't be worth a dime When you're sucking the blood right out of your spine Hearing cry, hearing howl Looking for someone to disavow Claws like a hook, eyes like coal Faith's so big they're gonna crush your soul Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.